With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast contains adult language and content. If you have a story to share, send it to letsnotmeetstories at gmail.com. Enjoy the show. My name is Andrew Tate, and this is Season 9, Episode 9 of Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast. The day was cold, really cold. My mother wanted me to go to the local Walgreens to grab a couple of things for her so that she could make dinner. My sister happened to be at my house this weekend and wanted to go with me since I could drive. I, a 16-year-old female, and my sister, who was also 16, didn't expect what would happen that day and sure as hell would not forget it. I've always been very tall, roughly 5'11", and I had been that tall for a few years. My sister, on the other hand, was pretty short, around 4'10 or 4'11". We've always been a foot apart in size, and I've always been overly protective of her because of that. Anyway, my mother, sister, and I got into the car, and we drove to the Walgreens. My mother stayed in the car due to her recent knee surgery, so my sister and I went in by ourselves. We walked through the doors, the smell of pumpkin filling our noses. I absolutely love the smell of pumpkin. We were taking a little extra time, and we were in the toy aisle looking at some random things. We were there for batteries, I think. I was so engrossed in the fun that we were having, I didn't even grab the batteries. Before walking out, my sister reminded me, and I turned around, almost slamming into this tall, older man with a children's face mask on. I couldn't help but stare. It didn't fit him at all. It looked so weird. I smiled awkwardly and apologized, running over to my sister and grabbing the batteries. Both my sister and I got in line to check out and there was only one cashier. I noticed that the cashier was looking at me oddly, very quickly. I felt my sister move while she was behind me, so I turned around. The old man with the kid's mask was right behind her, very close to her. She went up to his waist because of how small she was. I quickly grabbed my sister's arm, and pulled her in front of me, leaving the man right behind me. She gave me a dirty look and got agitated with me. I pushed her 
and I leaned down to her ear, whispering about how close the old man was, and how the cashier kept watching us and him while checking the customer out in front of us. My sister understood and turned, facing the door so that she wouldn't freak out. I remember feeling a rush of air, and a slap echoed in my right ear. The old man seemed to have dropped one of the magazines that he had on the floor behind me. He bent down and picked it up, his face inches away from my ass. I swear all of the air in my lungs escaped my body. And this was when I noticed he was buying gauze and other medical supplies. His forearms were covered in gauze and looked like he was all scratched up. This must have been the longest fucking checkout ever. He continued to look at the magazines and eventually dropped another one right behind me. He wasn't dropping them anymore, he was throwing them. I started scooting forward, and about a second later, we got to check out. The cashier was mouthing, Are you okay? And I just nodded my head. Eventually, we exited the store and started running to the car. I was shaking from anxiety. We both got into the car and my mom looked at us. She asked us what was wrong and we told her. She started crying and freaking out. I put the car in reverse so that we could go home. As I was leaving the parking lot, the old man came outside and leaned down to look into our windows as we were passing. He grinned and waved, winking at me. It made me feel nauseous. I was scared. What just happened? So many thoughts were swarming into my head. When we finally got home, I went upstairs and held myself in bed. So to the old, perverted man at the Walgreens, let's not ever meet again. This happened a long time ago, back in middle school. I'm 23 now, but listening to all of these stories, I can't help but remember this situation. I had a big circle of friends in middle school. It was all girls, and we would group together and hang out all of the time, which was nice because at least one of them was in each of my classes. But to say the least, I wasn't a nice girl. I was bullied in elementary school, and I gained a lot of confidence over the summer entering middle school. I thinned out and learned to style my hair and makeup. My group of friends were like any other middle school pretty girls. They were mean. We gossiped and made fun of people who were not normal or quote-unquote normal. This is why I don't share this story often. I'm not proud of my actions. Anyway, this is where the story starts. Some friends and I Mostly I made fun of this one girl, Anne. She was really tall, very pale, thin, and had black, short, choppy hair. She always carried around a doll. This doll was brown and it was made out of some kind of cloth. It had red X's for eyes and a weird stitching for a mouth. It was really creepy. She carried it around everywhere. We always called her Scary Anne or Creepy Anne. 
Everyone was kind of scared of her because she looked like she hated everyone and everything all the time. She just seemed angry and only had one other friend. Some important information is my mom would drop me off for school in the morning and I would ride the bus home after school. The bus would stop directly in front of my house. Everyone on that bus knew where I lived. Anne and I rode the same bus home. In the last couple of weeks before middle school ended, I noticed Anne was everywhere I turned in school. It felt like she was watching me. She would appear in the bathroom when I was there. I would see her pass by and look into the classrooms that I was in. She would just stare at me, very deep into my eyes. Even when I would get dropped off in the morning from my mom, there she was, walking into school at the same exact time. I didn't notice it at first, and I thought it was just a coincidence, but deep down, I think I knew she was following me. Even at recess, I noticed her just sitting on the grass with her doll, looking at me. I told my best friend what was happening. She just laughed and said that she's probably just trying to scare me. My best friend didn't take what I was saying seriously. But the days went on and she just kept following me. This is where things escalated. The day before the last day of school, I was riding the bus home and I noticed Anne was moving seats closer and closer to me. I sat in the back of the bus listening to music most of the time. I got really freaked out, but I was trying to act like I didn't notice her. Our stops were one of the last, so it was just me and Anne along with a couple of other kids in the front. Then, she sat in the seat just two in front of me and started staring. She was staring hard at me. I didn't want Anne to think that I was scared of her, so I ripped out my earphones and said, What are you looking at, weirdo? She just stared and put her creepy doll on the top of the bus seat so that it was looking at me. She didn't say a word. I spoke again. You're fucking weird. Leave me alone. That's when she spoke. The first time I ever actually heard her talk, she said in a very low whispering voice, You're a fucking bitch and I'm going to kill you. I felt my body run cold. I couldn't believe what she had just said to me. I didn't even have time to say anything before she spoke again. I have a knife. I could stab you. No one would know. Then she unzips this zipper that was on the back of her doll and showed me what was inside. There was stuffing. And finally, a pocket knife. I froze. I was just sitting there stunned. I felt tears in my eyes and my mouth was open. Then she slowly gets up and moves back to her original spot on the bus. I looked around where we were, and we were only a couple of minutes from my house. I was frightened. I was too scared to ask for help or to tell the bus driver. This girl was creepy, and I didn't know if she was trying to scare me or if she really wanted to hurt me. My bus stop finally came, and I was walking off the bus that again stops right in front of my house. Anne says 
as I'm passing down the aisle. I'll see you later. I know where you live. I continued walking to my house, trying to act like she didn't terrify me. But I instantly called my mom and dad and told them what happened. There was a dance the next day to celebrate the last day of school, and my parents told me I had to stay home for my safety. My parents called the school to tell them what happened on the bus. I called my friends to tell them what happened, and they said that they would be on the lookout to stay away from her. One of my friends texted me, saying that Anne got pulled out of class in the morning and never came back. Later that day, my parents told me that the school went through Anne's backpack and found a journal talking about how much she hated me and wanted me dead. And all of the things that I said to her and how badly I bullied her. My parents gave me a lecture that I need to be nice to everyone, even if they seem weird because you never know what they will do to you, or how scary people can be. That next school year, I never saw Anne or heard anything from her again. So with that said, Anne, let's not meet again. Hey friends, my name is Joel, and I'm the host of the Let's Read podcast, home to some of the most terrifying tales known to man. Now, the stories I read are a mix of petrifying personal accounts, chilling true crime documentaries, and scary stories submitted by listeners just like you. Meaning you could share your own frightening experiences with my hundreds of thousands of loyal subscribers. So, if you're a fan of horror or true crime, be sure to check out the Let's Read podcast, available wherever you're listening right now. For some context, I'm a sophomore in high school, and this takes place during a very hot 2021 Texas summer. I was 14. I'm a relatively small guy, and I appear somewhat androgynous. When this happened, I was riding a unicycle, which I'm used to getting attention from, and I was having a conversation with some strangers about how and why I ride a unicycle. As I was riding, very close to my house, and I live in a decent neighborhood. This guy calls to me, starting a conversation with me about the unicycle. I dismount, somewhat annoyed but expecting a short encounter. This tall, skinny guy talks to me while moving in and out of his black BMW. He starts changing his clothes while he's speaking to me. Looking back, he was probably on drugs, but I didn't realize that at the time. His name is Jeff. He tells me his life story. There are some red flags in it. He brings up his family and it sounds like he's had a rough life. After this, he showed me various objects, like a ring doorbell, and offered me a job selling them. He then presented a business card which said that he worked as a lawn care manager. I texted my mom and told her what was up. She tells me to walk away, and that's it. I don't do this, but I do bring up that I'm uncomfortable after he suggests that I open the trunk to the car. When I express my concern, he said, and I quote, Oh yeah, like in the movies when they push you into the trunk? 
The trunk had several things in it. A blowtorch, a power drill, and a pineapple. When he saw that I was nervous, he offered me a fire extinguisher and instructed me to strike him with it if I became uncomfortable. He then lit a cigarette, but also hit an e-cigarette, which for some reason was the first thing that really got me concerned. He then pulled a giant steak knife out of the front seat and chucked it into an empty lot nearby. I questioned it, and he said that it was for self-defense, and he couldn't carry a gun as a convicted felon. I was obviously very concerned at this point. I began to back away. He suggested that I FaceTime his mother. I told him, I'm good. And then proceeded to speak with him for another 15 minutes. He brought up some topics with sexual themes. I told him it was strange. I was too young for this. I finally announced that I was going to leave. He began to cry. It's because I look like shit, isn't it? He said. I told him it wasn't and that this was all just way too much. I took off. I found a bridge to hide under nearby. I stayed there until my mom could pick me up. When we got home, I ran upstairs and I hid in the closet with a knife. The next day, we found out that that man had been arrested for offering a little girl a drink. Now I carry pepper spray with me, and I have trouble trusting people. This whole experience has changed how I view people. Jeff, we better not meet again, or I'll pepper spray your ass. This story takes place back in early 2021. Just for a bit of background, I'm a bit of a car guy. My interest in cars started in 2011 when I was just in fifth grade. By the time I was a junior in high school in 2016, I had saved up just enough money to buy my first car, a 2013 Infiniti G37 Journey. I absolutely loved it and modified the hell out of it. Unfortunately, in 2020, I ended up getting in a really bad accident. I was hit by a drunk driver, and I broke both of my ribs, my left leg, and tore a couple of muscles in my right arm's elbow. Needless to say, my car was almost completely totaled on the driver's side. I ended up getting it repaired relatively quickly, thanks to a close friend of mine who owned a repair shop. However, it was just never the same. It couldn't run like it used to, and even though the car had never betrayed me, I just couldn't get over my fear of driving that specific car again. In March 2021, I decided to sell it. I tried selling it to a company that resells cars and other vehicles, but they kept lowballing me, so I never took them up on their offer. At the end of the day, I decided to sell it online by myself. I posted it online for about 12000 and within a few days, I had gotten quite a few offers for it. Like the resale company, many people tried to lowball, but there was one girl who was actually willing to pay close to full price, around $11,000. let us call her Ava. It was the best offer I had gotten, 
11500 actually. I was eager to sell the G37, so I decided to sell it to her. I asked her where she wanted to meet up for the exchange, and she chose a parking lot at a grocery store nearby. I asked her when, and she said that she would be busy with work for most of the week, and that she doesn't get off until around 9pm or so. We ended up meeting at the lot at around 10pm a couple of days after she had made the offer. I got there at around 9.45 with my friend Parker in his Volkswagen GTI. We parked at the very back of the parking lot. Around 10 minutes later, I see Ava and what I assume was her friend. They showed up in a Camry. Let's call her friend Kim. Now, what normally would have happened would be us introducing ourselves, doing the exchange, and going on our merry ways. Unfortunately, not everything goes as planned. Not even one minute after we met, all four of us saw a massive pickup truck pull into the lot and park maybe 60 feet from us. A massive guy, around 6 foot 6 and easily over 250, steps out of the driver's side. He leans against his truck, lights a cigarette, and just stares at us. I look over at Ava and Kim and see that they're visibly disturbed. I ask them if they know the man, and Kim informs me that the man standing there was Ava's ex-boyfriend. I look over at Ava, and it looked like she was about to vomit. Kim fills me and my friend in on the abuse and gaslighting that Ava's ex put her through. When she finally got the courage to break up with him, he went apeshit and destroyed her car. I assumed that's why she was looking for one. I asked them if they wanted to continue or do this another time. Ava finally says something, and all she says is, 911, now. So what do I do? I do just that. I whip out my phone, and as I'm about to dial 911, I hear her ex shout. I jolt and accidentally drop my phone. By the time I pick it up and I look up, I see her ex walking towards us with a bat in his hand. In that instant, my fear turned to annoyance for some reason. I was mad that he was harassing these poor girls and even more annoyed that he was fucking up the exchange. Now, I'm not 6'6", 250 pounds like her ex, but I'm still taller than most people at around 6'3", and I had my friend Parker with me, who's around my height as well. I stepped up to her ex and asked him what the fuck his problem was. He starts on this rant about what she's doing right now is cheating and that she should be punished severely for it. At this point, I knew that this man wasn't actually insane. He was delusional. As I was about to tell him to screw off and leave Ava alone, I felt my face hit the concrete. This asshole whacked me across the head with his bat. While I was still on the ground, I turned over on my side and through my blurry vision, saw Parker going absolutely ham on this guy. I mean, he's swinging like it's his last day on earth. And even though he got a couple of punches in, he also ended up on the ground as this psycho bashed the bat into Parker's knee. Now we're both in pain and we see Mr. Delusional start approaching Ava and Kim. They both stood there 
frozen. I didn't even know what to do. I felt the blood from my head start trickling down my face and into my eyes, nose, and mouth. Parker starts to call 911 before Ava's ex spun back around. He snatched the phone out of Parker's hand and threw it into the shrubs just a few feet away. He starts back at Ava and Kim's direction, just to see that they've started up the Camry and were about to drive away. He quickly sprints in their direction, but was only able to smash the back window of the car before they drove off. The guy ran back to his pickup truck and started chasing after them. Parker and I just sat there not knowing what to do. I then remember that I still have my phone on me. I dial 911 and inform them of what's going on. They tell me that it'll be a while until they can get officers to the scene, but that EMS is on their way. As soon as I'm done calling 911, I get a notification from a car group chat that me and Parker are in. The text came from someone and read, About to go on a drive, who wants to join me? A light bulb goes off in my head. I start a group call within the chat. Three people joined, including the person who sent the text. I let them know what happened, and that I need their help to get this psychotic asswipe to calm down. I gave them the road I saw Ava, Kim, and the ex go down, as well as both vehicles' descriptions. I stay on the call with them until EMS arrives where Parker and I are at. I end the call, and Parker and I are taken to the hospital. I ended up passing out on the way there, but when I woke up, I had exactly one text from that group chat. It read, Mission accomplished. I could finally try to relax. Around four days after the incident, I was finally released from the hospital. I ended up needing to get stitches and was diagnosed with a pretty severe concussion. Luckily for Parker, he didn't break any bones, but he did have severe swelling in his knee and was on crutches for quite some time. When we got released, we heard back from Ava and Kim and they thanked us as well as our other friends for the help. I still ended up selling the car to Ava and agreed at 11500 Ava, Kim, Parker, and I ended up becoming a lot closer. As for her ex, it turns out, old boy had multiple warrants for his arrest. A few months after he was taken in, he was charged with a bunch of things, including domestic abuse, aggravated assault, and more. He's scheduled to get out in late 2027. So to Mr. Delusional, who caused so much trouble and harm for all my friends and I, Let's not meet again when you get out. And if you ever go near Ava again, I promise you, you'll live to regret it because I'm not the same person I was before. I'm equipped and ready. This story takes place when I was about 11 years old. As a kid, I would sail on Sundays. At that time, we didn't have a permanent clubhouse, so where we launched our boats and where our temporary clubhouse was had a park separating the two locations. The distance was approximately 600 meters, 
or a 10-minute walk. Our parents would often tell us kids, if we were walking through the park, to do so in groups, as there were often homeless, drunk people who lived in the park who would try to beg for money, etc. They would get angry if you refused them sometimes. On one particular day, for whatever reason, I packed my boat up onto the trailer and my dad had towed it to the clubhouse. I had remained down in the launch area, so I had to walk through the park to get back to the clubhouse to meet my dad. Near the clubhouse end of the park were a bunch of massive weeping fig trees. I was very vigilant on my walk through the park, always looking behind me to make sure that I wasn't being followed, even though it was still daytime. I got to the end where the fig trees were, and a man stepped out from amongst them, and he called me over. We were out in the open on a large grassed area, but I immediately felt like something was wrong. He started asking me questions about the construction of the building that was happening close by, and I think he may have even asked how old I was. I answered all of his questions. Then he said that he was new to Townsville, and that he had a map. And could I please point out where the building was on the map? He said that the map was behind this tree. Thankfully, at that time, my father must have seen me from a distance and called out to me. I told the man that I had to go. I ran as fast as I could and I told my dad what happened. He went over to the trees, but the man was long gone. I often wonder what would have happened if I had gone behind those fig trees. To the man hiding amongst the weeping fig trees, let's not meet again. My story happened about six years ago. First, a bit of context. I'm a 36-year-old female, and I live in a small, quiet, and safe town. I live with my husband and our two boys, aged 10 and 11. And when we aren't at work or in school, we like to just relax around the house, play games or soccer in our yard, go to the beach, or have friends and family come visit. My husband and I have very similar interests, we do practically everything together, except for going camping. I love being outdoors, and after having children, and then being two boys who are bursting with energy from the second they wake up till the moment they pass out at night, I have found that it cuts down on the boys' conflicts and arguing when we are outdoors and they can just roam free. Early on in their lives, I discovered a passion for camping, and I took them on their first camping trip when they were just two or three years old. More precisely, I took them on a short hike in a forest about an hour from where we live, and when we reached our campsite, it consisted of a fire pit and a three-walled wooden hiking shelter in a small clearing of the forest. These shelters are very common in my country, and very popular. They're mostly used by hikers or people on bicycle trips, but they're also frequently used by families who just want a nice and cheap way to experience sleeping under the stars. My boys and I absolutely love it, and we spent the night sitting by the fire making s'mores and just goofing around before everyone turned in early 
and snuggled together under a pile of sleeping bags and blankets. Now, my husband, however, is not a fan of sleeping bags and mosquitoes, and he prefers the comforts of his own home and a warm bed. Although my country is quite safe, and I don't really have anything to realistically fear by taking my boys camping on my own, I am pretty scared of the dark. I asked my mom if she wanted to join us on our camping trips, and she immediately jumped at the opportunity, thinking that it would be a great way to spend time with her grandchildren and her daughter. It actually turned out that she had always had this dream to go camping with me and my brothers when we were children, but my father apparently preferred to stay at home and sleep in a real bed. She didn't really have the energy or interest to go camping alone with three small children, and eventually she just gave up and let the idea go. So then, me, my kids, and my mother end up going on different trips all over the country, several times a month during the warmer summer period. We did this for several years, and it was a great way for my children to bond with their grandmother, and we always had the best time. Except for one time. It was during our summer holiday that my mother and I had planned on going camping on a small island. It was about three hours from where we lived. My husband drove me, our kids, my mother, and all of our backpacks to the ferry that would take us to the island. When we got to the island, we had to walk for about 45 minutes to get to our campsite. First, we walked on a small, paved road, and for the last kilometer, we were walking on a dirt trail that had a forest on one side and the ocean and beach on the other. It was very quiet, the weather was perfect, and we were just having a great time. We arrived at the campsite, which was situated at the end of the trail, directly on the sandy beach, about 20 meters from the water. There were no houses, boats, or people, for what seemed like miles. Its solitude was both exciting and a little unnerving. I checked my phone and the cell reception was fine, so I told myself to stop worrying and focus on unpacking and getting dinner started for my hungry kids. The afternoon and early evening went perfectly, and my boys loved the location. We caught a few crabs, ate some candy and popcorn by the fire, and then it was time to get my kids tucked in. This time the shelter wasn't the typical open structure that we were used to. It was more like a big square, wooden box, about 2 by 2 meters, and maybe 2.5 meters tall. It had a door on both ends, and a bunk bed-like interior. It was just big enough for my two boys and me to sleep at the bottom, and for my mother to sleep on the top bunk. At our heads and feet, the shelter had hatches that opened, along with many small round windows, about the size of a palm, all over the shelter to let light in. None of the doors or hatches would lock, you can only close them. I got my kids tucked into their sleeping bags, and it didn't take long for them to sleep soundly. My mother and I were just getting settled by the campfire with a few chocolate bars and warm coffee when we heard the trickling sound of a bicycle slowly rolling towards us. We looked in the direction of the trail, but it was getting dusk, and it was hard to see anything when we had just started burning into the fire. A few moments passed, and we both stayed silent, looking towards the sound, thinking that it was a little weird for anyone to be riding a bike this late at night, 
all alone. Finally, we heard footsteps coming toward us, so we got up and went towards them, probably both feeling the instinctual need to not get a stranger too close to my sleeping children in the shelter. About 20 meters from the shelter, we saw a man dragging his bike, walking slightly uncoordinated along the trail, kind of like a toddler who's not in total control of their body. He was maybe 30 years old, stout, with messy, dark hair, and looked like he needed a haircut. He wore cargo pants, a short-sleeved shirt, and sandals. Nothing too weird about him, except for his walking, but I kind of chalked it up to a feeling that maybe he was mentally disabled. My mom and I both have a degree in social work, and between us, we've worked for several years with mentally and physically disabled people, people with mental illnesses, kids with severe learning disabilities, and at shelters for homeless people. Because of this, we have both been in some very dangerous situations where we've been threatened with knives, gotten physically hurt, and verbally threatened and abused. We don't easily scare when people deviate from the norm. I actually think we both quite prefer to be around different people, although it can be a tough profession to occupy sometimes. The man with the bicycle is now about 10 meters from us, and my mother and I have in silent unison apparently agreed that we will give the mysterious twilight wanderer the benefit of the doubt and greet him politely. That would soon turn out to be a big mistake. What then followed was the absolute creepiest conversation of my life. I said, Good evening. He said, Good evening back. You sure are far away from the town this evening, I said. Can we help you with something? Yes, I like to ride my bike at night. I like the quiet. My suspicions about the mental capacity seemed to fit, as he had an almost childlike way of phrasing the words. His speech was kind of slurred, but he didn't seem intoxicated. This actually made me lower my guard a bit, and we continued talking. I responded. Oh, I get that. That's why we're out here, too. We're enjoying the silence and the fresh air. Are you here alone? No, we have my two kids with us, but they're sleeping. They've had a long day playing at the beach. What do they like to play? He asked. Well, we just caught some crabs earlier and they built a giant sandcastle. That's nice. Do they play with dolls? Dolls? I asked. No, they don't play with dolls, actually. They like to play soccer. Oh, okay. Do you like to play? Yeah, I, I play with my kids all the time. I like spending time with them. No, I mean, what do you like to play? He asked. I was getting a little annoyed at this point because the conversation had taken a slightly awkward turn, and there was something about the guy that made me uncomfortable. He was talking very slowly, and he had this creepy half-grin on his face, almost as if he were trying to intentionally scare us. I could tell that my mother was getting annoyed as well, and she half-turned her body towards the shelter and said, She's an adult. She doesn't play games. I think it's time for bed now. You'll have to excuse us. Good night. She turned around and took a few steps away from the man, 
I politely gave him a smile and said, Good night, and waved as I turned around. He then said in that same slow and slurred voice, I have a question for you. Can I ask you a question? Now, I should have said no, but I didn't want to be rude, and he really hadn't done anything yet, except for being creepy. And then he apparently decided to lean into it and just go full-blown creeper. Yes? I ask. Imagine if you were walking at the beach, perhaps this beach, and you were all alone, like you are now. And then you saw this small doll just lying there in the sand. Okay. Then you, you pick up the doll, but it doesn't have any clothes on, and you think that it might be cold. So you put it under your jacket and you take it home with you so that your kids can play with it. Would you do that? No, I don't think that I would. You wouldn't? But what if I told you that the doll was me? If you were a doll, I ask. Yes, if I was the doll and I didn't have any clothes on. And I couldn't talk, so you wouldn't know if I was alive or not. And I was cold and alone. Wouldn't you take me home to play with me? Or give me to your children so that they could play with me? I'm thoroughly creeped out at this point, and I can tell that my mom is too, standing a few meters away from me, not knowing how to respond to these questions. I'm also getting a little angry at the fact that this man is saying these terrifying and inappropriate things when I have my children sleeping just a few meters from us. I then switch my brain into protective mother mode and respond in an angry tone. No, I would not. And quite frankly, I have to tell you that this is very inappropriate to ask someone these questions. It's also very scary. Is this your intention? To scare us? He answers completely unaffected. No, I was just wondering. It would be fun to play with you and your children without you knowing that I was alive and could see you. I wanted to scream. This was the weirdest conversation I'm starting to fear that he wants to hurt us now. I tell him, in the sternest voice that I can muster, that the conversation is over and that he needs to take his bike and go so that we can continue on with our night. He frowns and looks slightly angry, then mumbles something as he turns around. He then gets on his bike and rides away slowly. My mom and I walk back to our shelter without saying much. I can tell my mom is shaken up. So am I. We agree that he's really strange and that we should just go to bed. We put out the fire, brush our teeth, and crawl into our sleeping bags, me next to the kids who are still asleep. My mom soon starts snoring, and it's almost completely dark outside. I keep thinking about the man and the things that he was saying. I felt very vulnerable and exposed, having to protect my kids in this tiny wooden box that doesn't lock and has peepholes and latches in every corner. I silently climb out of my sleeping bag and out of the shelter, bringing my phone and a small carving knife, which is the only sort of weapon I have available. There's nothing to see outside, and the only sounds I can hear are the waves crashing softly against the beach. 
I dial the number of the police and connect with a dispatch. I ask to speak with the local island police, but the woman informs me that since it is quite late, she would have to call and wake up the on-call police officer. She asks if it's an emergency and I tell her about the strange man and that I'm feeling unsafe and unable to protect my children if something were to happen. She's very sympathetic and offers to call and wake him up if it will make me rest easier so that they can have a police swing by. I decline, but thank her for the sympathy and hang up. I tell myself I'm being paranoid. I should just get back into the shelter. I put the knife and my phone under the pillow, and I lie awake for the rest of the night. I was listening for any sound of movement or a presence outside. The sun rises at around five in the morning, and I suddenly hear a car driving slowly towards the shelter. I jump up, and I fly out of the shelter, knife in hand, on high alert from not sleeping, ready for any confrontation. I see a police car coming toward me, and I quickly shove the knife into the pocket of my hoodie. Feeling slightly embarrassed for probably looking like a madwoman, the way I jumped out in my sweats, woolen socks, and bed hair, waving a knife, well, the male police officer gets out of his car and walks toward me, smiling friendly. He tells me that the dispatcher has just called him and informed him that I'm a concerned mother who had a bit of a spooky encounter with an island local. I told him about the conversation, and he started to frown a bit. He asked when we were leaving the campsite, and I told him that we had it booked for one more night. He paused while looking at me, and then said, If you have somewhere else to go tonight, I would recommend you do so. We are familiar with the man that you're describing. I hope you will trust me when I say you were right in feeling alarmed. He couldn't disclose any specific information, but urged us to trust our gut and move on to another part of the island. The officer said that the man wasn't outright dangerous. He was just a very questionable character who had quote-unquote done things in the past. He offered to patrol the area while we packed up our things, and I woke up my mom and told her. We left the campsite about an hour later, and I called my husband to come pick us up at the ferry as we were cutting our camping trip short. I don't know what the weird man wanted and why he said all of those strange things. Was he just lonely and wanted somebody to talk to and play with? Or did he intentionally try to scare the shit out of us? And would he have returned with bad intentions as the policeman warned us? Well, I'm just glad that I trusted my gut in the end, and I got my kids to safety. So... To the creepy, slurring doll man on his bicycle? Let's not meet again. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast. Don't forget to stick around after the music for your extended ad-free version of this week's episode. If you're a patron, 
If you want to get access to that episode, as well as all the past episodes and bonus content, head over to patreon.com forward slash let's not meet podcast to sign up and support the show today. This week you have heard The Old Man from Walgreens by a listener that asked to remain anonymous. Creepy Anne by a listener that asked to remain anonymous. The Crazy Guy with the BMW by Harper. Her crazy ex almost killed us in the middle of a cell by Cairo. Creepy Guy hiding behind the fig tree by Helen. And finally, Would You Take Me Home and Play With Me by Mommy Mozart 510. All of the stories you've heard this week were narrated and produced with the permission of the respective authors. Let's Not Meet, a true horror podcast, is not associated with Reddit or any other message boards online. As always, if you have a story to share, send it to letsnotmeetstories at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out my other podcasts at crypticcountypodcasts.com, like Odd Trails, my true paranormal podcast, and the Old Time Radio Cast. We'll see you all next week for a brand new episode of Let's Not Meet. Stay safe. written in once before talking about an experience that I thought was the scariest one of my